Have you noticed that one of the things we love to do in our culture is debate about who's number one? Have you noticed that? We do this all the time. Who's number one, but who's number two? Uh, we do all these lists, like the top 10 songs in the 80s, uh, you know, the top 100 things of all time. We have all kinds of lists everywhere. They're all over the place. And our culture, for some reason, loves to debate this all the time and talk about who's number one. Like, who's the number one band of all time? Does anybody know? Yeah, okay. That was lame. We just all agreed. Like, does anybody have another band that's better than the Beatles? The Eagles, Led Zeppelin, Journey, right? Sidewalk Prophets, stuff like that. We all have things like this. Like, let's do another one. Let's all yell out who's the best at this next one, right? Who's the number one quarterback of all time? Yeah, see, we all have a different one, and we're all wrong. We're all wrong because it's Joe Montana. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that it's either between Joe Montana or Tom Brady. So if you, if you, I, I hate the, I hate it too, but we all know it's only between those two guys. Like nobody ever debates. It's only between Jordan and James, right? No, two best basketball players of all time. No, everybody else is a distant second. It's Tom Brady, or Joe Montana. Yeah, right? How about what's the best place to camp in the Pacific Northwest? My, my backyard. Come on, you've got to get out of your yard. <laughs> Unless your yard is on top of Mount Hood, that doesn't count. Oh, gosh. See, we all like these number one lists, don't we? We all try to pick. But once you've declared what's number one, then you have this challenging discussion about who or what is number two. And I was thinking about this, how we do this all the time, and I was thinking about how it would apply to God's promises. We've been talking about God's promises and what God's promises actually are. And, and we're, we're kind of like, this is interesting because there's a runaway number one, isn't there? We talked about it last week. Like there is a, a runaway number one promise of God, and that is our salvation, our eternal life. That's like, there's, there's hardly anything, there's nothing that really even comes close to Jesus dying on the cross, coming back to life so that you and I could live in heaven forever. I mean, nothing really comes close to that. But what would be number two? I mean, what would be number two? If Jesus is number one, then I think the Holy Spirit has got to be number two. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Now, the Bible teaches, and we know, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are equal. So this is not about their personhood. This is about the promises they fulfill in our life. And Jesus is number one. But here's what's interesting. The Holy Spirit is a very, very close number two. And I want to show you that this morning and reveal that to you in God's word about how important the Holy Spirit is. Because here's what's so interesting about God. God is relational. God is not a distant God. God is a God who wants to come close to us so close that he wants to be in us. And if God is a relational God and loves to be in relationship with us, 
then doesn't it make sense that he would leave heaven and come to earth and be in relationship with us and die on a cross for us? Absolutely. And then doesn't it just make sense? In fact, it shouldn't surprise us at all that he, he met our need for salvation when he came in Christ. And it shouldn't surprise us at all that he meets our need for transformation by also sending himself in the person of his Holy Spirit. So today I want to talk about what we would probably say is the second greatest promise that is from God, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, throughout the New Testament, we, we discover that the Holy Spirit is a promise. Now the Holy Spirit is also a person, but that person is wrapped up in a promise. That was true for Jesus, too, on his birth. That Jesus was a promise of salvation, but he was also a person. The same is true for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, but he's also a promise that is being fulfilled in our world and in our life today. Let me show you how that works. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit as a promise several times. The first time was in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, where he said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, after he had died on the cross and risen from the dead, he says this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, both verses are reference to Pentecost. Both verses are a reference to the day that Jesus would baptize the disciples in the Holy Spirit and fill them afresh. It refers to this day where we can read about the church of Jesus Christ getting born and the promise of the Holy Spirit becoming real and evident in that moment and in that day. And we have seen the result of that now for 2,000 years. We've seen the result of the Holy Spirit working generation after generation after generation to exalt Jesus Christ and bring people to salvation. And that's literally why you and I sit in a chair today, saved. Because of what the Holy Spirit has done. Thank you is a great response. Now the fulfillment of the promise is recorded in Acts chapter 2. So would you turn to Acts chapter 2 with me? In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we have this great moment in history when the Holy Spirit fell on the church and the church was changed forever. The people, the disciples, the the apostles that were praying and just doing exactly what Jesus asked them to do, which was to wait in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is that moment where the promise is fulfilled. This is that moment where the promise is revealed, where the Holy Spirit falls on about 120 people that are meeting in this upper room and they're waiting for what Jesus has promised them. But from chapter 4 to chapter, or from verse 4 to verse 38, which is the next verse I'd like us to look at, 
there's some interesting things that happen. From verse 4 to verse 38, it's interesting. There's the, the day that the Holy Spirit came upon these people was Pentecost. And Pentecost was a huge party in Jerusalem, really a religious festival, but there would be tons of people in Jerusalem and there would be people everywhere of all language and tongue and from all different places and there would be people that were speaking all kinds of languages and so outside this house where this took place there's thousands of people in the street and they're all beginning to hear the praises of God and the declaration of Jesus Christ and of his salvation in their own language and this is not a normal thing in fact this is such an amazing phenomenon that people begin to gather around this house and Peter goes out into the street and begins to talk about what these people are hearing because the people are saying, and the Bible says that um, these people thought that, that they were drunk. But Peter says something interesting. He says, these people aren't drunk. It's only nine in the morning. And I always thought that phrase was important, like you can't get drunk at nine in the morning. I've seen people drunk at 9 in the morning all the time. But Peter goes outside, and he preaches one of the most profound messages we see in the New Testament about Jesus Christ. About his death, about his resurrection, and about the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to be revealed in every single person so that all the promises of God can be met and fulfilled in our life. Now in that moment, about 3,000 people say, well, I want to believe in Jesus for the first time. 3,000 people. I've dreamt about this before. Like, just preach, and like 3,000 people come to know Jesus. And then next service, 3,000 more. And next, that's my dream, anyway. And that leads us to Peter's words in verse 38 and 39. That is Peter's declaration to these people that want to believe in Jesus for the first time and want to start following Jesus with their life, want to start living for Christ and believe in him fully, here's Peter's direction to them. Look at it with me, verse 38 and 39. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 39. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What a profound statement that Peter declares on this day. And I would say it was definitely a moment where the Holy Spirit used Peter to speak this because I'm not even sure Peter understood this theologically in his own mind yet. He just declares it. I mean, he just received the Holy Spirit five minutes ago. And now he's declaring one of the most theologically profound things we find in Scripture about the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would come and live in us. That when we repent and believe in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And then get this. Here's what Peter says next. That the Holy Spirit is for you and your children. So listen closely. The Holy Spirit is for you. But he's also for the next generation. And the next generation. 
and the next generation. Everywhere on the planet. Because he's also for all people that believe in Jesus. Man, this is good news. Can you see how number one and number two are pretty darn close? This is what Jesus did for you and me. Now look at it again with me in, in Ephesians chapter 1. Over and over again, we see these little nuggets declared about how awesome the Holy Spirit is. In Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14, this is how Paul talks about it. He says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now this is that marvelous verse that reveals to us what happens in our life when we believe in Jesus. Now Paul says, you and I become included in Christ when we hear the message of Jesus, when we hear this message of Jesus Christ, this message of his love, of his death and resurrection, and we believe. We believe in Jesus Christ. And in that moment, the promised Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And in that moment, not only does the Holy Spirit come to live inside of us to make the promises of God ours in our life, but he also guarantees heaven. Heaven becomes an absolute guarantee for you because you are now God's possession. The Holy Spirit is referred to in these verses as a seal and a guarantee. The terms are similar in meaning. They mean that what you are receiving is genuine, 100% authentic. We put this on products all the time, don't we? Like we, we have a product and we put our seal on it. This is 100% an authentic Tonka truck. Why? Because there's so many ones that are not real Tonka trucks, and we want you to know this is the real Tonka truck. And so we have to put a seal on it. Now, there's a little bit more important meaning here, because Paul is writing to you and me. He's writing to Gentiles. He's writing to non-Jews. And he's communicating something extremely important, and here's why. For about a thousand years, the Jews have always communicated one thing to the Gentiles. And here's what, he, what the Jews have declared to the Gentiles. You're not included. That's what the people of God who are supposed to bring the salvation to the world have been saying to the world for a thousand years. You're not included. You don't get in. You're not a special child of Abraham, so salvation doesn't come to you. And what does Paul say? Uh-uh. Paul says, no, when you hear about Jesus and you believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter whether you are Jew or Gentile. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, you will have a guarantee that you are saved. Now, this is important because the Gentiles need to hear this. And I think you and I need to hear it today. We need to know that we are saved and when Jesus died on the cross, he changed everything. And he made the promise for everyone. He made the promise for you and me. 
and for every generation. See, the seal and the guarantee that all God's promises are going to come true in your life is the Holy Spirit. Second, the Holy Spirit has an incredible function in our life. A very, very important function in our life. And I want to show you that in Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 1, just move over one verse. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, Rob, so if you want to throw up just verse 8 there. Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus gave direction to the disciples to wait in Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 8, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now this is also a very, very important verse about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And I want us to concentrate on this verse just for a minute and tear it apart because what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit empowers you and I to tell the world about the promise of Jesus' salvation. That's the second really big thing that the Holy Spirit does in our life. He empowers us to tell the world about Jesus. And here's how it happens. The first thing Jesus says is, you will receive power. Now, I don't know about you, but I think we all need power to live for Jesus today, amen? We live in a pretty crazy time. And so we just simply need power to live for Jesus. Who is that power? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives you and I power to live for Jesus and do what he calls us to do, to fulfill this mission of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. So the reason Jesus left, reason Jesus left the earth and went back to heaven was so the Holy Spirit could come to live inside of us. And the Holy Spirit would every single day give us power to live a life that pleases God and to live a life that we literally cannot live in our own strength. If you think about life today and everything that is thrown at us and everything that is contrary to God's word, are you going to be able to live for Jesus on your own strength? No. You simply are not going to be able to. And that's been true for every generation because our own sin nature has the ability to take over. Amen? Amen. We don't even need outside forces. It could just be the sin nature within us that could turn us into this crazy person but the holy spirit changes that i'd like to ask a very very important question right here as we kind of pause in the middle of my message because i believe once you've come to believe in jesus christ as your savior this is the next most important question in your life here's the question do you live in the holy spirit's power or your own like that's, that's the next huge step for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Am I living in the Holy Spirit's power every day or do I live in my own power? It's a simple question. It really is quite simple, but the answer will revolutionize your life. Because whether you are living in the Holy Spirit or not will change everything because what Jesus said was when you surrender to the Holy Spirit, you get to live the life 
that is truly life. Otherwise, you're still just kind of living your own way. Now, the next thing that Jesus said was, I'll give you power to be my witness. To be my witness. Now, why is this important? It's important because isn't the message of Jesus Christ the most important thing in the world? It is. There's nothing more important than the message of Jesus Christ. I mean, we can argue all we want about who the number one band and the number one basketball player is till, till the cows come home. None of it makes a hill of beans. Jesus is the most important thing in the world. In fact, could I just tell you this morning, Jesus is the goat. If you don't know what that is, goat stands for the greatest of all time. We talk about it in sports all the time. But Jesus is really the goat. He's the greatest of all time, and nobody even comes close. Nobody even comes close. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses because the greatest thing you and I could ever do in this life is lead somebody else to Jesus. There's nothing more profound, there's nothing more exciting, and there's nothing more important. So we are all witnesses. Every single one of us. Every one of us is a witness for Jesus. Now, the reality is some, we're all witnesses in different ways, aren't we? Because God's gifted us in different ways. So some of us have big mouths. So we get to be big mouths for Jesus. And we'll use our words because the Holy Spirit has empowered us to use our words to present the gospel. Some of us will use our gifts and our talents to be a witness. Some of us will serve in the background so that others can be a witness. But all of us will be a witness with our lives. Can I also encourage you this morning to relax about being a witness? Relax. Here's why. You and I can relax because the Holy Spirit is giving us the power. It's not your power. It's not your words. It's not your ability. It's what the Holy Spirit's doing in you. And I'm going to talk about this in a moment. But more than anything, what you and I need to do is just relax in the Spirit. Give Him control and give Him the preference in our life. And as we do this, don't, we, we understand and we learn, don't, we're not being a witness in our power. We're letting the Holy Spirit empower us. So here's how it works. Just wake up every day and say, Holy Spirit, here I am. Send me. Send me to work today so that I might talk to Jesus about somebody. Send me wherever you want me to go today and help me to hear you and obey you. And in the moment, just say yes to you. Here's what you'll discover. Because this is the primary function of the Holy Spirit, if you surrender your life to him, what will he do all the time? Help you be a witness for Jesus. Because that's his primary function. That's what you will find yourself doing. Wherever you are, wherever you live, wherever you work, whatever home you're at, when you're pumping gas, it won't matter. You will simply be becoming a witness for Jesus as you surrender to the Holy Spirit, which leads me to the last thing. The last thing is that the Holy Spirit helps us live in all of God's promises. We're going to talk about promises for the next several weeks, but here's what you need to know. That until you and I yield to the Holy Spirit, none of the promises will take place. 
But when we do yield to the Holy Spirit, all of them become fulfilled in our lives and find fulfillment. Let me show you how. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17, I wish we could just spend about three hours talking about this whole chapter because it's just simply amazing. But I, we only have a couple more minutes. I have 7.07 right now. But I want to read, read Galatians 5, 16 to 17 for you. But I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Because the way that it phrases some things is really great, and I want us to hear them in that way. Listen. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces with, within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. This is good news, folks. Because what this section is saying is this. You and I are slaves to ourself. That's the truth. We're slaves to our sin, and we're slaves to ourself. And Jesus didn't come so we would continue to live in that slavery. He came to set us free. He came to set us free because the conflict is raging inside of us. We all know it. We live in this world every day, and we, we, the conflict is real. This conflict between our selfishness and living free in the Spirit is real, and it's everywhere. And here's what's interesting. The key to honoring God in the middle of this conflict is yielding to the Holy Spirit. That's the key. The key to not living in my self-life and not getting caught up in the cravings of my sin and the world is yielding to the Holy Spirit, saying yes to him and no to myself. Now, the word yield means to give way or give up. That's what it means. It means to give way or give up. Now, the best illustration of this we have is a yield sign. Like we all drive all throughout the day, and well, some of you are not old enough yet, but you'll get there, is a yield sign. And when you and I are driving and we get to the yield sign, so the yield sign is for me, it's for us. We get to that yield sign. What does it mean? It simply means this. Whoever's coming the other direction, I must give way to. I must give up to. And that means that there will be times that I have to literally stop let them through and there will be other times where i just have to adjust slow down a little bit or speed up a little bit <laughs> like giving bad advice to the younger ones in the room <laughs> slow down a little bit see the key to honoring god in this conflict is yielding to this holy spirit see when the holy spirit is coming 
we must give way. When the Holy Spirit asks us to do something, we must give way. When the Holy Spirit asks us to give up something, we must say, yes, Lord. This is what it means to yield to the Holy Spirit. See, as he comes into our life, we give way or give up to him. We stop living our self-life and let the Holy Spirit teach us how to live like Jesus. We adjust the way we live to honor Jesus with our actions and our words. And here's the kicker. Verse 16 says, when we yield to the Holy Spirit, we receive life and power. See, yielding to the Holy Spirit will always lead me to life. To life. My selfishness will always lead me to what? To unhealth and eventually to death. My selfishness will give sin power in my life. My selfishness wants to dominate my life through intense cravings of my sin nature and this world. But the Holy Spirit is always leading me to freedom and to life in Christ. This is why the Holy Spirit in us is so vitally important and why we must yield to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wants to fill our life with all the promises and goodness of God. But we must yield to the Spirit in all of his ways so that God's promises can find fulfillment in our life and finish their work. Now, you and I notice that we will be challenged in this every day. There's a conflict. There's a war. It's raging, and we're in the middle of it. I would say right now, we are in the middle of an enormous spiritual conflict in our culture. Now, our culture might say it's a physical conflict or a scientific one. It's not. It's a spiritual conflict. Because in the end, the only thing that matters is whether you know Jesus or not. Everything else is going to fade away. That's why it's so important for you and I to live in the Spirit, be witnesses of the Spirit, live in His power, receive His life, live in His promises. Because this challenge every day to yield the Holy Spirit is what we are dealing with. Here's something else that I know. The greatest challenge comes when we face things in life that are beyond our control. That's the real challenge. When you and I face things beyond our control, beyond our strength, our knowledge, our emotional and physical ability, our, even our understanding of God and life, in those moments, we must decide to yield freely and fully to the Holy Spirit and let Him carry us through our darkest hour. Because this world is full of dark, dark hours. This world is full of difficult circumstances. This world is full of sinful things that get attached to our life, and sometimes we get sucked into them, and not to mention all of the physical things that are happening in the world right now with diseases that we get sucked into too simply because we've decided as a world to live in sin instead of in righteousness. All of those things are wrapped up into our lives and sometimes they get attached to us and we end up stuck in this dark hour. But let me tell you, in these moments, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you hope. 
The Holy Spirit is the one that is bigger and stronger than you. And when the Holy Spirit comes in and you give him way and you give up to him and you yield to him, you receive strength and power to go through whatever the world is throwing at you. That's why Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. You will need him. And not only will you need him, your children will need him. And the world will need him. In the middle of our greatest moments in Christ, the Holy Spirit is there empowering us. And in the middle of our darkest hour, he's there to carry us. See, the promise is the Holy Spirit alive inside of us. He will empower us through life. He will walk us through life. He will carry us through life. And he will empower us to share Jesus with the world. This is the lifelong promise of God in us, the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? Let me close with this. In Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. See, the Holy Spirit is at work within you. His power is at work within you. And it enables you to do immeasurably more than you could ever think or ask or imagine. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's how good God is. Most of the time, we just think what? Lord, could you help me with a couple little things? <laughs> and the Lord's saying, no, I want to do more in you. I want to do immeasurably more in you. I want all of my goodness and all of my promises in your life. So would you yield to the Spirit? See, God goes beyond what we could ever think. And so instead of just God helping us with a couple little things, he says, no, I'm going to start living in you. I'm going to help you with a couple things. I'm going to live inside of you. And everything will change. This is the life we have in the Spirit. And I want to encourage you today to learn to live in the Spirit too. To learn to pray in the Spirit. Learn what your spiritual gift is. Live in the fruit of the Spirit. And understand all that the Holy Spirit has for you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks this morning. And Holy Spirit, we, right now, we invite you in. We invite you to fill us afresh. We invite you. We say yes to you. And we yield to you. Because we know that the best life is life in the Spirit. You said that we could have life and have it to the full when we believe in you and walk in the Spirit. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us every day to wake up and start our day with the Holy Spirit. Not to start our day in our own selfishness, but to start the day with the Holy Spirit. 
say a simple prayer as we get out of bed. Read your word and just yield to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead us as well to be witnesses for you. That we would take up the calling of sharing you with a lost and hurting world. And would you empower us to do this in the name of your son, Jesus, and in the life and power of the Holy Spirit. If you agree, would you say amen with me? Amen. Amen.